Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we do replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Now we are still in the beginning of 2017, and lots of people make New Year's resolutions and have intentions to really get back into shape, start watching what they're eating, start focusing on their overall medical care, and part of that includes knowing how to move their body, how to do it correctly, how not to injure themselves, and if they do have some type of an injury, how they can best focus on staying safe while they increase their muscle strength and activity. Now, a lot of people want to know what is the difference between physical therapy and occupational therapy, two different types of ways that we can learn how to safely use our body. And today we're going to be having a discussion with two experts in the area. We have Kevin Lee, physical therapist for over 11 years now, focusing on outpatient orthopedics. He works with folks who have joint replacements or how to avoid having joint replacements, also spine issues, shoulder issues, all different sorts of problems. Problems. And he has been at Straub Medical Center for quite a few years now, is an expert in doing physical therapy. But we also have his partner, Farah. Now I'm going to butcher this. I'm going to try. Dimagiba. Did I do it? Yes. I did it right. It. Okay. Occupational therapist for the last 16 years. She spent 12 years at the Rehabilitation Hospital of the Pacific doing inpatient occupational therapy now does outpatient occupational therapy, focusing really on shoulder, elbow, hand, and wrist, and she's also at Straub Medical Center. So we're going to be having a discussion today about physical therapy, occupational therapy, what's the difference, what can they do for you, and how can we all safely start doing some activity this new year and not injure ourselves. Now, this is a recorded show, so we won't have callers tonight, but there is so much information that I'm happy we're going to have the extra time to really go through and discuss. So welcome both Kevin and Farah to The Body Show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Now, I'm curious, Kevin, let's start with you. You've been doing some physical therapy now for 11 years. What are some of the common things that people have misperceptions of about physical therapy? I'll see people in my office and I'll say, I want you to do some therapy for your back or your knee or, or some type of part of their body. And they're like, no, 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 I know what to do. How often do they really know what to do, Kevin? Well, you know, uh, a lot of times people... They, they have good intentions with what they want to do. That is so politically correct. Yeah. They have good intentions. And, okay. And then, you know, so a lot of times I look at it this way. We, we help, we kind of guide people that maybe don't have the understanding to get, reach the goals they, they want to do. Or maybe they had a bump in the road and we'll, we'll kind of, uh, we'll guide them that way. So we, we can, people many times think physical therapy is just massage. And we, and we, we do use those techniques as we need to, to help achieve some of the, uh, the the goals such as flexibility, range of motion, which which actually is um, we do quite a bit in terms of dealing with injuries as well as um, to prevent injuries because without the maximum amount of motion, optimal motion that you can achieve, um, it's not possible to achieve the amount of uh, maximal strength or stability in your joints. And that's what, but it all goes together. It's, uh, it's flexibility and strength and with flexibility and, ba- and strength come balance and, um, you know, in your body. 
So let's talk a little bit about a common scenario. So if I saw someone in my office and maybe they had some troubles with their back and I said, you know, it's not the type of thing that you could do surgery for. It's not something that you really need to take injections for. I think you need to to go to see physical therapy and they're going to help you to use your back better. My perception of physical therapy is that they're going to learn appropriate lifting techniques, ways to stretch their back and not necessarily hurt themselves. But there's all different modalities that physical therapists use these days, whether it be heat, whether it be cold packs, whether it be TENS units, what are some of these different modalities that people can use? Because the perception that a lot of people have of physical therapy may just be, well, I could just go to the gym and do my own exercises. And as someone who clearly doesn't go to the gym enough, I've tried to follow those little pictures and those machines. And I don't think so. I don't think I'm doing it correctly. And I've had People at the gym come up to me and say, no, no, that's wrong. Let me show you how to do it right. So, you know, even with the best of all intentions, as you mentioned, we might still not necessarily know exactly what to do. So if someone were to see you for, let's just be very particular, low back pain, low back strain, what are some of the modalities of treatment that you would consider for someone like that? Well, in terms of modalities, we, there's there are simple things that we use um, – in terms of just tools that you can use for self-massage. It's very popular in the gym, has been for many years now, is uh, things like uh, foam rollers, uh, there's massage sticks, there's massage different types of, of ball um, implements. and that Like the you, one with all the prickly things on the outside? Some of the prickles, if you can handle okay. that, or ridges. And um, th- those are simple things we can, and then the way I try to treat is we make it as simple as possible. We look at things they have at home. Maybe they can, instead of a foam roller, they can use their rolling pin they have at home. Maybe they got a golf ball, a tennis ball, their, their kids' balls, and or um, that you know sports implements. I've, I have a baseball bat. I tell people use that. Um, a PVC pipe. They can use a wine bottle or beer bottle. As simple as that. Okay, you just made PT a yes. lot more fun to everyone listening. You can use a wine bottle or a beer bottle. This is going to help <laughs> you with PT. And uh, I think they're going to assume that that means that you have to empty it first, which makes PT a lot more fun. Well, ideally, yeah, yeah. Probably. Well, I meant personally before yeah. doing PT, doing PT a little buzzed. That could be interesting. So, you know, you mentioned massage sticks. There's something that I think years ago it was one of those priceless purchases. I went to the Made in Hawaii Festival and there's this this little old guy who was selling Lomi sticks. If you've never seen or had a Lomi stick, you've got <laughs> to go get one. I don't know what other massage sticks are. I don't need to know because this Lomi stick is so fabulous. And in fact, for me, it was most fabulous because I got it for my husband. I had that little moment when, you know, you watch TV and you hear doing whatever costs money and some other thing priceless. And I went, huh, spending money on a Lomi stick, $60, never having to massage my husband's neck on command, priceless. I will get the Lomi (laughs) stick. Can I have two? So it's one of those devices that I think is really helpful. But so what you're describing is someone could come in to go do physical therapy with you. You'll take a look at where their pain is, but then you'll try and find them some way that if they're using a particular implement in the PT center, they have something similar at home they can practice with. In terms of where I think, well, myself and a lot of, of other therapists, I, and I, I come from a, a personal training massage background myself, um, and that I, I like, I want to make it functional for everyone. I want to make it something that people can access. They don't have to be a gym member. They don't have to have all these fancy tools. And then some people are confined to their home. Some people can get to a gym. Some people are on the road a lot. 
So my job, I feel, is, is to make fitness and, and understanding of how they can better themselves, from my standpoint, as accessible as possible. Yeah. Make it simple, make it easy, make it not painful, so they'll be able to do it. With some, maybe, what, well, what, you smiled when I said pain. As long as, they can, as long as people understand. And, and many times people, once it's more of uh, the, the, uh, they don't understand maybe what to do or what they're feeling. And I think a large part of my job is interpreting that. I tell people, I want you to be your own body whisperer. I will help you to interpret these things. And together, we can help you to understand and achieve these goals so you can better empower yourself. I want my patients, the goal of PT is not for, for them to depend on us. It's for us to to develop independence in people and understanding. And I'm and I'll help them through that. Sometimes I have to directly help them with my my hands or with my knowledge in terms of exercise and or mobilization of their joints, but if they can understand it, um, that really it, 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 it takes stress and it, it gives people a lot more empowerment and um, joy out of just, you know, being able to be more active, which is what a lot of people want to do these days. Well, and I sometimes think about it like you're the teacher, yeah. And you can't uh-huh. learn piano when you just go and have a lesson every week and you never go home and practice because then you really haven't learned anything. So your job is to teach somebody some safe ways to move, exercise, and strengthen their body. Their job is to go home and do it. And often people get homework assignments. Just when you yes, thought yeah. you're too old for homework, <laughs> no, you're not. Homework is here. You have physical therapy homework. So that's something you expect people to do at home to try, build up their muscle strength. You can't just go to PT once or twice and then suddenly be cured. No, no, it's, it's, a, it's a process. And it's, it's not a linear process. I tell people, we're going to have you try some things. And then people, so many times after a first or second visit, oh, I was doing it wrong. But you know what? I tell people part of learning is to fail. But it doesn't mean you, you're, you're, and sometimes you do hurt yourself a little bit. But by doing it, by trying it, I'll guide you so you can better understand how to do it better. And if you did it wrong for a while, and I'll correct you, most likely we'll probably do it better in consecutive times after I help you out. So, it, you know, it, it's all about trying and learning. And sometimes my, I learn from my patients, too. They find, hey, Kev, this is a better way I did of doing this. Uh, feel better. And I said, you know what? If it, it's, if it looks sound, looks safe, sure, go ahead with it. So we, we do work together with people. But, yeah, it's all about, you know, helping people empower themselves. Sure, it's like a partnership. Now, you mentioned you'll look and you'll watch them do it. So there is an element where you're watching someone engage different muscles groups to try and help themselves so that you would know if potentially they were doing an activity that could actually harm them. You know, sometimes I see people, they lift something up and I go, oh, I know they didn't use their legs to do that. That's going to put strain on their back. But that's about the end of my knowledge of physical therapy. (laughs) So in that sort of situation, you could watch someone do something and you could actually find a way to make sure they're using the right muscle groups? Sure, yeah. And, and, but we, we work with the, the physicians. The, the physicians kind of vet the patient in terms of uh, may, any major, ma- major medical issues and, uh, and orthopedic issues possibly that may impede them from participating PT. And then from there, we take that, that whole person and, and body of, of understanding of their, what, what they can do. And we analyze their mechanics. That's our job is we're the, we're the movement expert guys. And we'll look at assess them by I feel their joints, maybe I'll see them move, squat, lift, twist, whatever they want to do, and we'll we'll try to find the best way that they can achieve their goal. They may not be the same way that say uh, professional athletes do or whatnot people, but we want to make them do do something safely and as, as best as they can and they may be able to achieve a similar endpoint, but maybe not exactly the same way. And that's 
that's what we try to offer to people and try to help people understand that. Well, and the other key word you said was balance, that in fact, if grandma or grandpa doesn't really seem to have good balance or they look like maybe they're going to fall over or they've fallen at home, sometimes what you can do is actually provide them with some knowledge on how to use their gait implements correctly. Are they using mm. their cane the right way? Is their walker has set up at the right height? Maybe it's just not set up the way they need it. So when you say focusing on people's abilities, it's also watching them and just knowing what they might be able to benefit from a little change here or there or, you know, use your cane in this different fashion. It really can keep somebody independent and mobile much longer as they get older than they would be if they kept falling and breaking joints and needing surgeries, et cetera. Oh, oh for sure. And um, you brought up an interesting point in, in terms of that part of this is is, a, is more than just the patient. Sometimes if it's with elderly, it's the family. We're educating the family and their friends or their whatever their support network is because that's an important part of every patient's welfare and you know, and, and well-being that we want to promote, too. And so everybody learns together. Well, know. and also you got to learn how to pick up grandma off the floor. <laughs> yeah, yes. I and mean, we, literally, we, you have to have someone teach you what to do when grandma falls down. Yes, and Farron and I both, uh, we do a lot of family training or, or and, and or caregiver training. And in the, the people that spend many times with them, um, if I were someone today that has a caregiver that's with them most of the week, their knowledge helps us to better improve that patient's um, well-being and, and maybe improve uh, how they can do certain things throughout the day or self-care. So, yeah. Absolutely. Farah, let's talk with you. Farah Dimagiba, she's an occupational therapist for the last 16 years. You spent 12 of those years working in an inpatient setting, and now you're working in the outpatient setting. A lot of people kind of say, what does occupational therapy do? How is that different than physical therapy? Do you have to have an occupation? Right. A lot of times people think that we help each other fi- help people find jobs. It's definitely not to help no. them find a job. You're not <laughs> helping them with the wanted ads. Okay. No. We got that. So, and you don't have to have an occupation to do occupational therapy. No. Okay. Myth-busting today. Right. Occupation, occupational therapy is primarily focusing on just occupations of daily life. So anything could be an occupation like cooking a meal Brushing your teeth, putting on your clothes, um, learning to comb uh, your hair, comb your hair, take a shower. Yep, exactly. So those are all what we call occupations. So, so occupational therapists will help people return to those daily things that they normally have to do when they've been limited by something. So, say like a pro- an injury, uh, a stroke, um, a fracture, anything that has caused them problems in fulfilling their occupation or their daily activity. So when we talk about occupational, we mean a little bit more of the daily activity kind of stuff. Correct. So what sorts of things do occupational therapists see on an inpatient setting? And then we're going to ask about on an outpatient setting. So inpatient first. You are working with traumatic brain injury people. Correct. And uh, on strokes also. So a lot of times in inpatient, you see these patients that can't even sit. So it's like, how are they going to go to the bathroom and, and wash or sit on the toilet if they can't even sit without falling over? So we're teaching them how to have balance and sitting balance and control, trunk control. And then later on teaching them how to get to the toilet or different equipment that they may need to make that 
an easier task or an obtainable task. Sometimes toilet seats are too low. They need to get an elevated one. Sometimes they need railings to hold on to to help them get up and down more independently. So it's also recommending equipment that they need in the home to make them safe at doing those things. And that can really make a difference. I know I went to this conference a few months ago, and for whatever reason, I was in this room that was, you know, handicapped accessible. And I'm like, what? what? I'm not, I, what am I doing in here? But then I noticed that I'm like, oh, how nice. All those grab bars in the shower are really helpful. And I thought, wow. I mean, you don't necessarily have to be disabled to find that it's safe to have something to hold on to when you go into a slippery surface. I mean, there really is a lot of utility in considering safety, even in your regular home. How many people slip and fall at home because they don't realize that, you know, maybe the rug is kind of curled on the edge or whatever it might be. When you're young, you can really just bounce back up. And as you get older, that's not necessarily the case. And so it could be a huge danger. Or you could be like, in, it could be in the middle of the night and you're in the bathroom and you're a little sleepy and you just slip on something, you know. And So lots of ways that people yeah. could make their environment safe. Right. So in the outpatient setting, what do you often see as far as physical therapy, occupational therapy is concerned? So in the outpatient setting, you're, you're kind of really focused more on a body part. So say like if they have a shoulder problem or elbow or a wrist or hand. So you're kind of focusing on whatever is um, bothering in, in that one particular body part if you're working an orthopedic outpatient. But you, you can also see outpatient neuropatients. So like in terms of like um, getting them, they're already home, but they're still not independent in like say dressing. So you would see them for that also. In, and teach the caregivers how they could make them more independent so that they don't need much help with it. The goal being that someone would be able to eventually get dressed themselves and or brush their own teeth and kind of regain those levels of independence. Correct. Back to where they were. Correct. But so in terms of like a lot of times lately we've been seeing repetitive sh- stress injuries. So a lot of people coming in and saying, oh, my elbow hurts, my wrist hurts. And okay, I, mine does right now. Right? <laughs> and apparent, uh, and I always go back to how much time do you spend on your computer and how much time do you spend on your uh, tablet or laptop or, or iPad your cell phone or your cell phone. You're just bumming me out there because it happens more and more often nowadays. You see people come in and they're they're like, "Oh, my elbow hurts. It's starting to go numb," and you know they're having all these. Are you in my head? <laughs> And then I asked them, do you lay in your bed holding your phone and you sit on it for hours with your elbows never. bent? Mm. <laughs> I'm in denial, never. And so it goes back to like our society now where we spend so much time on our computers and our electronics that we need to learn how to take rest breaks. Um, it's well, speaking of breaks, we're going to take one okay. right now. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio. We are learning all about physical therapy, occupational therapy, what's the difference, and what can they do that could help pretty much all of us. When we come back after this quick break, we're going to continue discussing with Kevin Lee and Farah Dimagiba about the difference between different types of therapy, exercises, and how we can all stay safe for the new year. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us.
Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Kevin Lee, physical therapist for over a decade. Way to make you feel old, Kevin. (laughs) And uh, he has been practicing that in addition to massage, personal training, huge background of movement, trying to keep people healthy. We also have Farah Dimagiba. I think I've gotten better at the name. Yeah, I'm yeah. feeling proud of myself. Occupational therapist for, I'll make you feel old, almost 20 years now. And uh, doing both inpatient and outpatient occupational therapy in her background. Both work at Straub Physical Therapy Center. And today we're talking about how we can be, how we can be safely active as we start our new year. Everybody wants to start an exercise program. Everybody wants to sort of get out there and keep their body moving. How can we do so in the safest way possible? Now, right before the break, we were talking a little bit about how technology can actually change how we use our body and how this is affecting how we feel. So, Farah, you were talking about, you know, if somebody's elbow kind of feels a little funny and their hand goes numb, and could they spend their whole day on a computer or that wonderful wrist position when we're staring at our phones? And as we get older, oh, not that I am, you pull it back further so you can see it. So we have people who are having a lot of wrist troubles and elbow troubles and hand problems. And, you know, years ago, we used to think everything was carpal tunnel had to be because somebody was on the computer a lot. But now we've got iPhones and tablets and iPads and you name it, all different sorts of gadgets. And people are using these a lot more and they're causing some changes in their body. What can people do to stop, first of all, to recognize that's what it is. And second of all, to stop doing it. I mean, is it just go cold turkey, put your phone down? So our bodies really talk, talk to us. So when yeah, we're in I this, don't like the message. When we're in the same position for so long, it starts to talk to you. It'll start to feel a little funny. It'll start to feel stiff. It'll go to sleep a little bit, and you'll feel like weird sensations. That's telling your your body is telling you to change positions because our body is not meant to stay in one position for so long. And all of our jobs and our iPads and our laptops and our our phones keep us in these same positions because we get so involved in what we're doing. So the key thing is we have to take rest breaks. Your body needs to change positions. And if you start to feel like your your elbow starts to go a little funny or your wrist starts to have a pain, stretch it. Put your Put your electronic device down and just stretch for just a few seconds or a few minutes and you're, you're gonna, your body will thank you for it. Okay, in I'm the stretching. I'm waiting for the thank you. Yeah. It's not coming yet. In the you long gotta, run, I got to keep doing this you gotta all the time. You got to keep doing it all the time throughout the day. <laughs> so, a lot of people spend their lives on the computer all day. Yeah. They wind up having neck pain. And I'm seeing people who kind of have their whole neck sort of anteriorly displaced a little bit because what they're doing is they're looking at a screen all day. Kevin, what's going on? Why am I seeing all these people with like, I don't know, almost, do I do I even say turtlenecks? Like it's kind of poking out in the front. What's going on? No, it's just that the, the natural progression, everybody starts off sitting pretty good. But we just kind of, we fall into your whatever. I hunched over now. I'm going to start stretching. You're doing a good job of that. Right, yeah, model, so uh, working on the stretching deal. But so, so we get stuck in these positions. And then if we don't move around, then we could cause muscle strain. And eventually it could like sort of change your bone position. It, it could. It, it'll change. Well, a lot of alignment. If you're say, say, we'll use a sitting job for example, it's your your pelvic positioning. If your if your pelvis um, is say uh, lower than the, the the height of your of your knees, say like a bucket seat in a car. Every car is a bucket seat. It puts you in a. It tilts your pelvis back. You start slouching immediately. 
and a, and a lot of us um, do that as as the day progresses without really realizing it. So, like, so we like pretend we're in bucket seats even when we're not in the car. Yeah. If you find yourself sitting like you're in a bucket seat, get up, get up, move, move around. around. Or okay. what Ferris said, you, if you're on Stretch. your phone anyway, I make several of my patients that have very they they get into work and they they forget. I have them right in front of me on their iPhone or whatever. Put a, an alarm there every two hours, and it goes alarm off. Alarm your phone. Get alarm up your and phone move. or your watch or put it on your computer, and um, it'll go off. The five minutes you spend getting out of there, looking away from the screen, getting up, moving your neck, can make a difference with a lot of the respe- uh, repetitive stress injuries that Sarah was uh, alluding to. See, what I think would be great is if you could get an alarm to say things to yourself. Like if you could record yourself saying, get up off your butt. I mean, and then literally your own voice would come I, out of your actually, phone. Actually, I, I think can you can. Can you do that now? I think you can. Okay, I'm iPhone. obviously technologically uh, <laughs> not necessarily that savvy. Th- there's an app for that. There's an app. I'm sure there's yeah. an app for that. An be. app that sets up the alarm that's like, get out of bed now of your own voice or someone else's voice you don't like. No, that, that's what actually. That's it funny. could be your voice, Kevin. You could be the one telling someone, "Get up! Your posture is poor." Or Farrah, it could be like, "Stretch your wrist now." You guys could create a whole new business with this. Sounds like a plan. I think we'll go, we're starting that tomorrow. <laughs> right. Yeah, right there, you got right there. It. You know, it, you heard it here first on Hawaii Public Radio. We're starting new businesses for ways to get people to get up and move using our voices, which. Could be scary. So if somebody's, you know, what if their day job is sort of walking around moving and stuff? Could they potentially be on their feet so long that that could cause them to have, you know, foot pain or knee pain or have some troubles with their body alignment because they're moving too much? Oh, yeah, sure. Like, so I've had patients that are security guards or they're on their feet all day. They work at <clears throat> in retail. Um, blood, the arteries pump the blood down, right, as we all know. And then but what pumps it back up is movement. The muscles squeeze the muscle up the veins, the veins are, are more passive. You need movement in order to, to keep the balance and everything. And, and of course, you're standing too long or sitting too long, blood's going to rush down. So you need some kind of balance. So maybe it is a few stretches. You can move, get out of your, your occupational position. Um, and, and also, but also repetitive, if you're doing repetitive lifting or pushing or climbing, you know, Stretching and getting uh, and taking breaks can just the opposite. Any I tell people too much of something, whether it is movement and or non-movement, can be detrimental. So try not you know, during waking hours, try to keep, mix it up a little bit. So there's a lot of things we could do if we're sitting in one position, even on the weekends. If you just want to get up, move around. I think a lot of medical conditions could be improved by. Sure. Moving, literally, oh. physically moving and getting some exercise and getting the blood flow going, et cetera. And there's a lot of people who unfortunately don't have that ability to move as easy as some of the rest of us. And whenever I see them, I always guilt myself into going to the gym. You know, maybe that's what I need on my app, right? I need I need my alarm to say something like, be happy you have legs and they work, so go to the Y. Or something like that that would, like, you know, tell me that I need to be more physically active. And, and maybe if I have to be guilted into it, that's a good thing. <laughs> Guilt does a lot of good things for me, I'll tell you. So, you know, that's something that people could do. Now I've got a couple of questions, just, you know, random things that I think would be interesting. And a lot of people ask me all the time, which is better, hot or cold? If you have a muscle spasm, if you have a pain, do you put heat on it? Do you put cold on it? Farrah, what, what should I do? If I've overused my cell phone again, if I've watched Netflix with my wrist in a bad position, and now my elbow and my wrist hurt, am I going for hot? Am I going for cold? What am I doing? So if it's something that just 
happened. So say you just held your your for phone like a two hour two Netflix hours. movie. Yeah. So I would use ice to calm it down because that's a sign of inflammation. Um, so I'd use ice for a little bit and and to calm it down and get that get rid of that inflammation in there. Um, heat is better for something I feel like more chronically. When you have more of a chronic, I don't know, you can chime in too, Kevin. But if it's like uh, a, like a long-term kind of pain that bothers you, heat kind of works better for it. Um, yeah, so I would use cold for something that just happened, like an injury. Like I'll often tell people, you know, for the first 24 hours, you know, if you sprain your ankle and it swells, ice. Ice will cause a little bit of Correct. vasoconstriction. Right. It'll hopefully help to decrease the swelling. It is a natural anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Also numbs it up a little bit. Ice mm-hmm. is your friend. But then if anybody ever had back pain or back spasms, not that I've ever had that. Yes, I've had that. You know, I'm not saying let me go get in an ice cold shower. I'm saying where is the hot tub? Where is the sauna? So for things that, that are more chronic or right. that seem more muscular, and I know, okay, I lifted that, I shouldn't have done it, then I'm reaching for the heat. Am I doing the right thing, Kevin? Well, I think what Farrah said, if it's, it's pretty acute or immediate, put ice to calm things down. But if you after the ice is applied and you feel it's stiff, it's okay to put heat and slowly get going again, but not to the extreme point that it flares up again. And if there's if you're exuding heat and it's swollen, I would probably try some ice or, or the acronym rice, Rest Ice Compression Elevation. Sure, so touch it so that if good. it's already hot... Don't put more hot on there. Correct. Maybe yeah. put something cold on there. Mm-hmm. And if it's cold, well, I don't know why it would be, but warm it up. Yeah, and, and you can you can go back and forth between the two. I mean, is there a, is that yeah. something that people do often? I know that you know sometimes I'll see people who've gone to physical therapy and they'll have like ice pack therapy, and then they'll also have heat therapy. And I'm thinking, well, that sounds like which one worked? But you can actually core. You can actually alternate. Oh yeah, but. Several patients today, they came in, they overdid it, they had a, a knee surgery, and um, so to calm things down in the beginning, we put a little bit of ice, did a little bit of little body work at the swelling down, but as, as they're, they're moving around, we did apply some heat if they got a little bit stiff, and then we got it going again. But at the end of the session, after we did more exercise, the body's, the muscles more engorge with blood, but if the muscles are not strong enough to pump the blood back to your heart, we'll use ice, ice again. But again, you use it judiciously, and then with ice, uh, just to remember that you don't put it directly on your skin. Put put some kind of barrier, even if it's a, a cloth or something, because you don't want to get frostbite. And with heat, if you're going to use heat, remember if you if you sit on it, if you lean on it, you're compressing and increasing the amount of heat that's produced too. So so better just to lay if lay it on you if you're going to use heat or ice is probably a good rule of thumb. Yeah. What about those like you know thermocare patches or those? Salumpas and those sorts of things. A lot of people say I had a back trouble or I had a, you know, shoulder pain and so I put some, you know, plaster on it. Do those do any good or is it just making them feel like they're doing something and Well, you know, uh sometimes those can really be helpful. We, and we'll use them if if patients really like them and they find we we kind of work with them. And then um sometimes the placebo does help if it if it works for them, great and it's not harmful if they're not getting they're getting skin um, irritation, and we'll educate them on that. But the, it can be, yeah, the topicals can can be helpful at times. And if some people prefer it, um, sometimes it's it's cultural too. And and we'll, we kind of roll with it if, if, as long as it's it's not detrimental to them. It yeah, it can be it can be helpful. Yeah. Well, and icy hot is another one of those interesting <laughs> yeah. combinations. But you know who's used icy hot like three three <laughs> rooms away. I can walk into my office and be like, 
somebody's or, using or tiger the bomb, yeah, or the, tiger bomb. Yeah. You know that smell. That is the smell of grandpa. You can feel <laughs> free to use it. But sometimes you just don't want to smell like that. And they say there's a non-smell version, and they lie. That still has a smell, which, you know, again, it's sort of that combination of ice and heat and sort of helping to soothe the area. I'm curious, you know, Farrah, do you ever hear about people using those little fighting, those little titanium plasters? Does that do any good? Am I just pretending when I put those on my body that it's making me feel better? I'm very, I'm very susceptible to the placebo effect. So could that actually help me? That, I don't know too much about fighting, actually. I know that they have, like, bracelets and necklaces and all of that. Um, Personally, I've never used one, and I don't know if they really help a lot, but some people swear by it, like, they put it on all the time. I mean, Um, I kind of wonder, like, if I wore, you know, a bunch of fighting or those little circle things on an area, would that remind me that I either need to stretch the area or be gentle on that area? And would reminding it make me use it differently, thus potentially it's getting better? It could be. It could be like um, uh, or. I'm not sure. Do those actually have magnets in them? Sometimes it people have magnetic ones, too. titanium. I think the the theory, yeah. as far as I understood, with uh, other uh, more magnet um, was that it, it affects the... The circulation uh, or something? Yeah, in the, the, um, in the blood system, and that helps. And some people have sworn by it. But, you know, I think in conjunction with a regular stretching and exercise program and medically approved... Um, medication if they need it, it, it can be. And it can be a, a good reminder. But I think it's another tool in a, in a larger scope of, of, of all of health. And I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, but as, as a standalone treatment, it's not a panacea. Sure. So it's not going to hurt you. Use it if you want to. If it makes you feel good, please feel free. And and if that's the only thing you're doing, that might not help. So I can't just fighten my my crooked wrist when I watch my Netflix at night because that's not going to help. Just to put a little fighting on there, I have to actually not use my wrist in the wrong position. I I told people this way. I mean, I'm as lazy as the next guy. I like to sit down. I'll just watch football all day. But but w- w- if we think of our bodies almost like uh, it's, it's an analogy is a car, right? There's cars of from all different ages, 19, 20 cars to new cars on a road still. Some take a little more maintenance than others. Depends on the kind of performance you want, you know. And then like our body, we can change body parts. But, hey, you got to end up back in therapy. We'll help you to manage it. Unlike cars, we can't last forever and can't change body parts all the time. But it, it takes investment in terms of if you want certain type of performance, if you're willing to do that, if you can see that big picture, um, it, it can be worth your personal investment. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You can change the tires. You can fix an engine. <laughs> yeah. But you can't necessarily, unless you buy a new car, you you know, and yeah. even then, you can't get a full body transplant. Nobody's figured that out yet. And yeah. I don't have any volunteer donors. So, so you know, we really got to work with what you got and maximize what you can do physically and do your best, really, and try not to injure yourself or harm yourself. Now, what about, let's talk about those weekend warriors. You know, the people who don't get enough activity all week, then they go out there on the weekend. This is their weekend time to exercise. They're going to go, they're going to do their running, they're going to practice for maybe the Great Aloha Run or the marathon or any other activity. It might be a little bit of a reach or a stretch for them. How can they do so safely? Kevin, if I decided suddenly I want to go be a jogger, 
which I haven't decided that in a long time. Uh, I like walking. That's as fast as I'll go. But let's just pretend that I got motivated to be a jogger. What does somebody have to do before they just decide they're going to go run a bunch of miles? Should they? How can they make sure that their body is going to be able to survive that and or not injure themselves? Should you start small? Should you you know, walk before you run? Like, how can somebody say, that's it, this is the year, I'm going to be a runner and, like, do it safely? I think, well, for, first of all, check with your, your medical professionals, your, your primary care physician, and then they can get a referral for physical therapy. If if they have a past history of, of certain maybe aches and pains or, or uh, if you do have a history of that, you know, set a base of basic general fitness. Um, so it can be as simple as if you have access to a, a bike, or a pool, or a stationary bike, or even just walking, you know. But um, start off with a, a nice balanced approach, maybe some basic stretches and basic cardiovascular, which would mean like walking or riding or, or swimming. But if you need do need some help, you could always seek, seek help from either your physician and possibly a referral physical therapy, or even there are many, uh, or, or personal trainers are there too. Um, and, 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 they're an important part of all this, too. We work with patients, personal trainers um, together, you know, and, and a lot of times they, they have certain ways of training that I'm not specialized in in certain sports. So we all work together you know, to help guide people. But get, get guidance from someone. It can, it can be your coach. It can be a, you know, a, a friend that has a little bit more understanding. But if you need more knowledge, you know, seek, seek, um, seek professional help. help. Yeah, yeah. All right. Better to do that before you get hurt than afterwards. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio. We are talking today with Kevin Lee, physical therapist at Straub Medical Center, and Farah Dimagiba, also an occupational therapist at Straub Medical Center. And we are talking in a recorded show, so we don't have callers today. But we're talking about the differences in physical therapy, occupational therapy, how to stay healthy, how to keep your body moving, and what are the safe ways that we can all sort of commit to that New Year's resolution or that New Year's intention to be more active and to be outside more and be physically moving our bodies in a way that keeps us safe and healthy. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about some of the other ways that we can really help balance ourselves, work on keeping our joints healthy. Who wants to get arthritis? Nobody said yes to that. So what can they do to prevent it? We'll be right back after this quick break and we'll talk more about it.
Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Kevin Lee, my friend and physical therapist from Straub Medical Center, Farah Dima-Giba. She is a friend and occupational therapist at Straub Medical Center. We're talking about, hey, if you want to get out there, start doing some physical activity, how can you do so safely? And what happens if you do have a medical condition that would need to be accommodated in some way when you decide to pick up activity this year or even just in your regular daily activities that you do every day? Now, Farah, I see a lot of folks who come in my office, and they ask me about what to do once they start to notice that they get arthritis of their hands. It's almost an inevitable thing if we all live long enough. Arthritis, I tell people, is kind of wear and tear, and your body is going to have wear and tear on the joints no matter what happens. If you live long enough, there's going to be some wear and tear. And so some people have more of a genetic predisposition to having certain types of arthritis, or they look at their hands and go, I have my mother's hands. I never wanted this. So when somebody has that happen, they start to see some of those joint deformities. Maybe they notice that their fingers are kind of moving in different directions, or they have this extra thick area around the joint space. What can they do to help that? You know, a lot of people say, can I do exercise for arthritis of the hands? And if it's from doing a lot of activity their whole lives, I'm not so sure if doing more activity is going to make them feel better or worse. What, what should they do? Right. So it just depends on what kind of arthritis it is. But in some cases, splinting the hand in certain positions can help uh, keep the joint from deforming further. Um, so splinting it. So if you've got a finger that's kind of going in a different direction, you just Correct. have osteoarthritis. Uh-huh. We're just talking standard stuff. You should splint it at night so that it doesn't you, go to left instead of staying in the center. Correct. So you. Um, mm-hmm. So as an occupational therapist, you can we make fabricated uh, specific splints that fit custom fit to your hand that can position your hand in the correct way so that the joint is not being stressed in the wrong way. Um, so, so I couldn't just make this up at home. I'm not just getting popsicle sticks and like taping my finger on it. That mm-hmm. is so not going to be what you do. You got to kind of have a little <laughs> bit more of a scientific idea about this. Yeah. So you're looking at p- pro- proper positioning of the joint with the splints. And then also you can strengthen the other muscles that may be weak that could be causing more of the deformity. Um, so looking specifically at other opposing muscles that... Um, and small exercises you could do. Other things you could do are, um, I know people complain about opening jars, so you can get like, uh, even those shelving liners, they work really well to help you grip jars so that you can open them easier. Um, Using built up uh, pens, so not really skinny pens, but more of a fatter grip that allows less um, stress on the joint so you don't have to hold really tightly you can have a bigger grip um, i'm looking at my pen i'm going "Ooh, i have an arthritis pen right. Ooh, i'm starting early oh so nice to know but i yeah. mean truthfully so there's a lot of different ways that you can accommodate some of these issues you know mm-hmm. and there's actually there's an amazing number of different ways that people can 
have their needs accommodated. I know, mm-hmm. boy, about eight or nine years ago, my mother had this major stroke and she was right-handed and her right side is paralyzed. So when they were teaching her how to do things with her left hand, which was not her dominant hand, there were some real interesting gadgets that yeah. she was able to use, like a rolling knife that actually you can uh-huh. use without needing a fork so you could cut something. Right. Some really interesting devices that I had never even thought about. Much more advanced than one of my favorite things you can find anywhere, the reach grabby thing. I don't know what you really call that, but (laughs) I love the reachy grabby thing. So, you know, these are much more advanced than that. So lots of different ways that you could accommodate having arthritis if you can't open jars. You know, it amazes me that the pill bottles that we have people get prescriptions in are so hard to open. What is that about? They're impossible to open. So um, even things like they can't button their shirt. There's such thing as like a button hook where you use like you, you thread the thread the two together and you pull so you don't have to like manage the fine um the fine motor fine movement, motor sure. movements okay. of your fingers correct yeah so lots of different things mm-hmm. so if you've got some trouble with arthritis of the hands how do you find out about this stuff do you go see someone like yourself an occupational therapist and you know all this stuff or can you research it online is there some store where you can try a bunch of cool stuff there are a lot of stuff online, but you don't know if they really work. There's no store in Hawaii, unfortunately. Um, it's all trial and error. If you can, you, There's a lot of websites you can go and look at about all, all the gadgets, but you can definitely come and see us, uh, an occupational therapist, so you can actually try the things out, see if they really work for you, see if you really need it, you know. So you don't spend all this kind of money on stuff you don't need. And there are also like products that, everyday stuff that you can kind of make into the product that they're selling for $20. Instead of spending $20, you could spend a dollar, you know, so. Ways that you can really find a way to accommodate what your needs are without necessarily putting you in a position where you're spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars to do something you could potentially craft on your own. Correct. Like Kevin, yeah. you mentioned, get a golf ball, use that to sort of help with, you know, foot massaging. If you have that sure. plantar fasciitis yeah. condition, you can use a golf ball or you can use a variety of different other household implements. I know you mentioned the beer and the wine bottle, <laughs> which first you have to empty before you do the therapy. Therapy is more fun. But uh, certainly some home homespun things that you can use. You know, so so we've talked about hand arthritis. There are some exercises that people can do. There's some value in seeing an occupational therapist to figure out what you could do and how that could be helpful for you. Mm-hmm. What about, you know, the the shoulder? I think the shoulder is one of those joints where it's, you know, I often tell people it's the weirdest joint of the body. Most other joints, if you have pain, it's telling you to move it less. With your shoulder, if you have pain, it's telling you, move it more. You are absolutely right. Ed Weldon taught me well. Yes. Shout out to Ed Weldon. Yes, he has taught you well. The, the shoulder is a different um, body part. Like every, You're absolutely right. If your wrist hurts, you got to stop moving it. If your elbow hurts, you got to stop moving it. If your shoulder hurts, you have to move it more because... The only way that the shoulder will actually stop being sore is if you move it more. Unless you actually hurt it through some sort of trauma, like if you fell on it and you broke it or if you felt something tear in your shoulder. But if you just woke up one morning and you're like, oh, my shoulder kind of hurts, nothing really happened, the best thing to do is move it and stretch it. And that'll cure, you know, like 90% of all shoulder discomfort that's non-traumatic, non-injury related, 
the you know it's the weirdest thing but you gotta stretch your shoulder it's a ball and socket joint your hip is too but because your hip is weight bearing there's different rules when you have hip pain but with your shoulder you got to move it just keep moving it stretching it rotating it around lots of people get that condition tight shoulder once it hurts and it gets tight they stop using it so the muscles get tighter the tendons get shorter so it hurts when they move it so they stop using it kind of starting this cycle of sort of tightness and they can lead to frozen shoulder which doesn't mean it's cold it just means you can't move it at all exactly so like um it happens very quickly, too, for people. You know, they get very scared of that pain. But sometimes that that kind of pain is not always bad. Um, it's actually opening the, the, the joint capsule up. So um, and stretching it not just once a day, but you have to stretch it like a lot throughout the day. Like I know we tell people five times a day. Five times a day. I know yeah. that there was this uh, series of stretches that that, you know, you have to do it multiple times a day. It sort of splits your shoulder into four quadrants. Mm -hmm. You know, your front on the inside, your front on the outside, your back on the inside, the back on the outside. And by sequentially stretching those different areas, you and doing it multiple times a day, but it only takes like two or three minutes. We're not talking about like a 30-minute stretch session. Like two or three minutes, five times a day, you could really dramatically improve shoulder discomfort. And that can help you with all the other activities that you do. Right. So it's multiple times a day. Right. It's like, it's because like you stretch your shoulder once, but it actually has memory to go back to being tight. And you just have to keep doing it over and over again to keep it and remodel that capsule from being tight. With movement. With movement. Now, the other area that often is something where it can affect the shoulder, but it's connected, literally it's connected by that wonderful trapezius muscle is the, and, and others, the neck. People are getting a lot of neck problems. And Kevin, that can radiate down to their hands. They can get a pinched nerve. That can cause them to have tingling in the hands. It can cause them to have, in some cases, even weakness. What's going on in the neck and how can we make it stop? Well... The neck, like you just said, is part of a larger system. So we have the spine that goes right up the middle, the three parts, the upper cervical, thoracic, and lumbar, the lower. Um, and that interacts with the, with the rib cage. The rib cage goes around. The shoulder blade sits on the rib cage with the shoulder and goes down to the elbows and the wrists. It all it interacts. Posture is a large part of it, too. That little song, you know, your knee bone Correct. is connected to your hip bone. Yeah, that song was not a lie. Yeah, so, so in, in, including the glenohumeral joint that, that Farrell was alluding to, it all interacts with, with the neck and spine position. If you're slouched forward, it's going to put your shoulders in a, in a different position, as well as your elbows, your wrists, and your head. So being a little more mindful of... It's a slight S curve. You want to be a. If you try to think of you, generally you want to align your your ears, your shoulders, and your hips. If you're in sitting, if you're standing, we're all doing this right now. Yep. It's just for anybody out there. Add in add in your your knees and ankles. Again, given what your body can handle, if if you have some arthritis in your spine, it may not be perfect, but you want to you want to maximize that and and your flexibility in your chest, which is a large part of neck pain and shoulder pain. If the chest is is rolled in forward, or everybody's doing that. You know, with their phone and everything, and they work, they eat, they drive. If you open up the chest, that'll help open up your shoulders and your neck and your back. You know, you know, it, it all so kind of relates. How do you open up your chest? If somebody was sitting there right now and they were just saying, "How do I open it up?" Do you roll your shoulders back, 
kind of push them back a little? How would I how would I do that? If you couldn't see me, how would you explain to me how to open up the chest? The way I like to, and I've learned over the years to, to instruct people, is, is you think, you want to imagine you have a brooch in the center of your chest. You want to elevate that up, and you want to just pull your shoulder blades down. Or as you say in Hawaii, you just make big body. It's kind <laughs> That's of, true, it, make it's, big body. It's, yeah. it's kind of it, but not like to the point of a, a, a military like a posture, but you want to subtle. You want to think chest up, shoulders down, and head just kind of, your head falls into where it wants to be. And a lot of times it's that subtleness. It doesn't have to be so, so pronounced, but if you catch yourself every now and then, be aware of that. That can, that can make a big difference. Well, and if you do it a couple of times a day, you know, again, you're really remodeling your posture. You're helping yourself. You know, I often tell people when you, what you do physically now is like saving for retirement. You know, you save money now and then hopefully it grows and compound interest and all those wonderful things. So when the time comes to retire, you have enough money to support yourself. When you think about your physical body, your physical structure, the exercise you do now, the safe things that you do to protect your back, to protect your neck, protect your hands and all of your joints is like putting money in the bank later that you won't need to spend your money literally on all these different sorts of things if your body feels better and is healthier. But it's also preparing yourself for getting older because, you know, we're not getting any younger, Kevin. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Ferry, you're still young. I don't know what the deal is. But, you know, I mean, truthfully, as we get older, our body gets wear and tear. We get arthritis. We get joint areas that bother us. And we've got to work on trying to keep those areas stronger and more flexible and muscle mass. Now, am I just crazy or did I read somewhere that after the age of, is it 40 or 50, please tell me 50, you lose 10% of your muscle mass per year. You've got to work harder just to keep your body's muscles where they're at. I'm not sure about the percentages, but yeah, you, you do lose muscle mass as we age. And tell me it starts at 50. I don't want it to start at 40 because, oops, I'm already past but that. 50 sounds good to me. Okay, we're, we're, we're going to assume. We're getting close to that, yeah, so. Okay, but, yeah. you know, we have to work harder just to keep our bodies with the muscles that we have. And if we don't, they get weaker. Well, it kind of like you were saying, it's, it's, it's like an investment. I mean, you want to keep it going. If you think of, of you don't have to, it has to be exercise. Just think of self-care. You want to... Think of it almost like nourishment for your body. That's what I tell people. What we're teaching you, what Farah teaches her patients as well, is we want – think of it almost like if you just ate once a day and you're allowed to pee once a day. That's, we all know that's probably not a healthy thing to do. So why mm-hmm. would you just use the exercise that maybe someone has taught you to help you just one time a day? I'm too busy. I got this and that. If you're busy and you have all these things to do, if you have time to go to the bathroom, you have time to do a little bit of – some kind of self-corrective exercise or postural adjustment, right? And so you could like you. stretch when you pee. I mean, literally, you could go to the bathroom to go <laughs> and you could just practice some stretches. Now, when yep. you're done so that, you know, we don't have, you know, pee everywhere. But still, literally, if you have – and I've actually, you know, I, I, I admit, and a lot of things I admit are dumb things I've done because people who know me know – I can do a lot of dumb things. And I used to say, I don't even have time to go to the bathroom. And somebody challenged me once and said, go time yourself. I'm like, okay, I'm going to time myself. And I'm like, it took literally less than 60 seconds. That excuse of I don't have a minute, totally bogus. I can't use it anymore. Yes, I have a minute. So if you wanted to add another 15 or 20 seconds, do a couple of stretches, arms above your head, bend down to your toes, just do a little side to side, even something simple like that, 10 or 15 seconds, few times a day, you could really see a difference over time. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, and it's, it's a it comes down to choices and and 
you know, how much, you, you know, we tell people that you're, we're so caught up in our lives, especially holidays just passed, and, you know, and, and we've all had a little bit excess this, this and that too, but. We've been try, drinking all the exactly. beer and wine so we can use those bottles but, but, for PT, Kevin. Yeah, and but to get back on the horse, do it in moderation. Don't don't try to recapture what I did in high school. You know, now I mean, work towards it, but try it in moderation. See where you're at and adjust along the way. Because even though you may not do things the way you used to, sometimes you might find some other ways that might be more fun or or actually more creative. And try to make it a game for yourself if it's something that's important to you. You know, you, you can do it. A lot of people can. It's just a matter of finding a different way to do it. And, uh, and make it. it fun. Try try to. Yeah, why not? That's what life you try to do. Well, you have be. to make it yeah. fun because if you make it miserable, you're never going to do it. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. and luckily, I don't think I peaked athletically in high school. <laughs> I think I was a mathlete instead of an athlete. So I don't have to worry about trying to do what I did in high school. That was math problems for fun, for which I will never live that down ever. Uh, but, you know, certainly do some activity that makes you feel good and makes your body move. And Farrah, one of the things that you mentioned is just try and get back to an activity level so you feel comfortable doing your own daily activities, getting dressed, brushing your teeth, something simple that you want to be able to stay independent with. Yeah. it's um, Over time, it's going to be, you're going to be glad that you're able to brush your own teeth, you know, that you don't want to have to rely on other right. people for all these activities. That's the main thing is like you want to gain your independence and it'll make you feel really good about yourself that you can do all these things on your own now. Well, and I think if anybody has concerns about how their body moves or maybe doesn't know if they can do something physically like they used to be able to do so, talk to your primary care provider, talk to a physical therapist, talk to even a personal trainer. I sort of see those specialties as all in a continuum. To get yourself stronger, to get yourself to move better, you start with a physical therapist. To push beyond where you ever thought you'd go, you go with a personal trainer, that those people all work together. It really is a team approach. I want to thank both of you for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. Thanks Thanks for having us. All right. That was Kevin Lee, physical therapist, and Farah Dimagiba, occupational therapist at Straub Medical Center. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on our podcast, hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. Our engineer is David Chong. Our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We will see you next week right here on The Body Show. We'll see you then. (laughs) 